So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and they'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost Oh baby, this is why Blank lost Welcome to this week's edition of Why Blank Lost. I'm David Bloomberg, and when Jamal decided to take a nap, I thought I was going to lose my winner pick. But lucky me, I didn't lose my winner uh-huh. pick. And I, I don't know anyone. Who, oh, oh, uh-huh. that's right. My co-host Jessica Lewis lost her winner pick. This instead. is terrible. This is the worst introduction you've given me ever. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I lost my winner pick. And you know what? I knew I was losing my winner pick, too, when they got done the immunity challenge. And then Jeff was announcing that Vokai was going to be losing their first person off of their tribe and immediately camera boom on Molly. I was like, I'm uh, host. I thought you were going to tell me because she kept they, they kept dropping her on that ladder. No, it was immediate. Like, if you go back and watch it, that's the like they're showing Jamal like as he's as he's kind of walking when Jeff is talking. And then it when they say first one voted out and it immediately goes to Molly's face. I'm like, ah. I am so toast right now. Yeah, it's it was terrible. It was not a good Wednesday. It hasn't been a good few days having to process the fact that I'm really, really bad at choosing a winner. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, um, and, and uh, you know, speaking of Molly, before we uh, get into uh, everything about her, it was her birthday. As we record this, it was her birthday yesterday. Oh, well, happy birthday, Molly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so sad. It's so sad. This is the only time I think I'd ever be like, please bring back Extinction Island or Ghost no, Island, whatever no, that thing was. No, no, <laughs> It no, worked for me, kind no, of, with no, Devin's. no, no. I know. I know. I know. I'm just, I'm selfish. I'm sorry. Selfish. No. Did I say no? I know you did. And I'm, I'm just selfish. I, I had such high hopes for Molly and you, you want to know something? Yes. And I think the fact that I picked her as my winner pick was confirmed by the fact that she got voted out second, that she was awesome and was going to win because we're going to talk about how she was such a big threat to win the game. No, no jumping ahead. I'm not jumping ahead. I'm just merely saying that I was I was correct in my assessment of her. Okay. (laughs) You should at least give me that. Sure. Okay, we'll do that. All right. Um, 
Now, uh, uh, getting back to the important thing, my winner pick. Oh, jeez. Um, you know, he, he was napping, of course. And uh, I, I was wondering, did you see the hashtag the players this season were tweeting before the show started? I it didn't was, notice. It, oh, yeah. They were all tweeting, don't sleep on 39. And the oh, point. Oh, I did see that. Yes. The point was to remind people, don't jump ahead to thinking about season 40. But Jamal noted uh, on Twitter this week that, you know, that that tweet didn't age very well for him. No, it really didn't. And yeah. I thought that that was what it was about. I didn't realize that it was happening before we had seen him napping because he was napping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he was, was napping. sleeping on 39. Yeah, he totally was. And I, I, I we have a lot to talk about, but there's I, I do think that 39 is it's coming in hot. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. So. It, it, now, now Molly defended Jamal in one of her interviews saying, you know, the experience is so draining that you try to get some sleep on those rare occasions when you think you can trust what's happening. Did mm. you ever nap in the middle of the day, especially on the day when you're heading to tribal council? Never napped on a day that there was tribal council, but on a day that we knew that there was nothing happening. Those were days that like everyone's just kind of laying around waiting for the day to end because there, there's only so much that you can do to fill your time when you're out there. So it was group but, napping. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I've already, I've done the laundry. We've opened up a bunch of coconuts. We've eaten, we've cleaned up, we've talked, but there's really like you run out of things to do and you know that nothing is transpiring. There's no reward challenge. There's no immunity challenge. There's nothing happening. Once laundry is done, you're kind of like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> like, sounds like, a, sounds like a Sunday, you know, around yeah. here. Once laundry's done, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, but I'm sorry, before tribal council, I can tell you that, those are the moments when you need to be having the most conversations and they need to be focused solely on tribal council. There's, there is no napping before you're going to tribal council. No, sorry, Jamal, well, you don't do that. Well, apparently there is napping, but um, now, now also related to Jamal, did you see that he's trying to emulate you? You know, he, he hasn't gone full blown pink eye, but he has a nice little swollen eye he there where he, where he got a bug bite. He's, I, I think he's just trying to be more like you. Uh, you know what? Then he shouldn't be napping before tribal council. <laughs> and are you going to go to rocks then, Jamal? Come on, make rocks happen. No, because Nora happen, said they don't want to go to rocks, although I have I no know. idea what the heck she was talking about there. But. I did notice that his eye is starting to look much worse the, yeah. the longer things go on. Hopefully it doesn't full-blown Jessica look. Not a good look. So hang in there, Jamal. I hope, I hope it gets better. <laughs> Pink eye, not fun. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, on a completely different note, switching topics entirely. Uh, you said last week that Ronnie and Aaron should have invited Chelsea into their fire making. Now yes. you were, you know, now it, it looks like once again, you were right because she showed them how to do it. Well, she didn't show Ronnie cause he wasn't there, but she showed the rest of the tribe how to do it. Isn't it strange the things I am getting right? <laughs> Dan was rubbing people the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Now I said Chelsea should have been invited into the fire making ring. So yeah, there are particular Things that I'm good at predicting correctly, I guess, except uh, winning Survivor. Bad at that. Very well, bad at that. Yeah. I mean, we did correctly predict which tribe would win immunity. Yes. So we got that. Um, I predicted that Hubiki's law would hold and mm -hmm. Nora would be safe. Yes. So we got that. Um, beyond <sighs> that. Yeah. We, we. Yeah. Nothing else beyond that. Yeah. No, I'm I, I really did terrible. this <laughs> You know, I know it's terrible, too. I was I was upstairs prior to coming down to, to record for this and was chatting with my daughter and my husband about 
the podcast and Hannah was like, mom, listen, it's going to be fine. You do fine every week. You're OK. And then my husband said, well, she did lose her winner pick this week. And my daughter was like, oh, mom, that's real soon. <laughs> Ouch. I know. I'm like, I got burned. <laughs> it's like, I know I'm very bad at this. So, yeah, I, I openly acknowledge it. And I apologize to you, Molly, because I I set in motion your the, demise. That's right. The The back in time curse. That's right. You're, if I pick you as the winner, sorry, you're not going to win. But anyway, let's talk about why she didn't win. Okay, so yeah, for the rest of the podcast, why don't we do that? We'll we'll go through Molly's game, not just from what we saw on TV, but also looking at interviews, Twitter, and clips from CBS All Access that they actually have this week. Yeah, there was uh, like three though. Yeah, I mean, okay, they you know they 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 didn't tell us a whole lot about the game, but they were right. a little bit amusing, and right. they were there. I, and mm-hmm. Molly did have her. Um, her day after video. Mm-hmm. So you know there there were some things there, uh, yes. which you know I'm happy to celebrate. Keep going, CBS. Uh, so me too. Add a little bit more. That's good. Yeah, it's well, good yeah, stuff. You know, beggars can't be choosers. I know. So, uh, so we'll take all that information and we'll compare Molly's game to the set of rules that I originally put together after the first season of Survivor, in which I've been updating ever since. And speaking of updates, the new version is now available at robhasawebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules. So again, that's robhasawebsite.com slash blog slash survivor rules. Get ready to read because there's a lot there. There is. There is. And and, uh, you can also see if you just want to see the changes that were made, those are uh, in a blue font. Actually, I think uh, uh, the person who posted them made them a teal font. They were noted as. I don't know what teal is, so I'm going to go with blue. All right. I, well, teal is kind of a fancier version of blue, I guess. Well, then that's what it is. We're fancy around here. There we are. And uh, uh, now, speaking of colors and speaking of the rules, there is a shorter and much more colorful version of the rules in poster form, which now hear me out here. I think instead of that silly oath that Rob reads to them on the island when they get there, I think he should read our poster to them. That would be great. Could you imagine if they just had our poster hanging up right there? Yeah, oh, that would be I perfect mean, because it's a very quick version of what you should and shouldn't do on Survivor. Right. In a very quick read on that poster. You can see it real quick. You know it, learn it, love it. And then when you're bored and have a lot of time, read all of the things that David Bloomberg wrote about it. Yes. But yeah, yes, just get the poster. Yeah. And you can get the poster at tinyurl.com slash David Rules poster. Yes. And it's beautiful. looks great in a frame. If you haven't noticed on Twitter, lots of people who are purchasing it have been posting pics of it in a frame. It looks great. Do it. And uh, you should definitely order it. And if you're outside of the United States, DM me. We'll make it happen. We'll get it to you. We'll make it work. All right. So last week we talked about how Ronnie got booted in large part for looking too far ahead and for targeting the most popular player on the trot. Mm. It seems that Lauren and the rest of Okai made the same move as Ronnie tried, but well, they succeeded. Right. Uh, well, so, you know, the question is, comes up, what was the difference? And then also when Molly was voted out, she said she guessed she got cocky and was now humbled. So was that part of the answer? Well, those are just two of the questions that we will address as we figure out why Molly lost. Mm-hmm. So we begin, of course, with rule number one, which is the most important rule, which says to scheme and plot. 
And Molly came into the game saying in interviews that she was geared towards strategy. And Jeff Probst said she had survivor whiteboards at her house with strategy lines connecting players. And, you know, that that goes even beyond what I have. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we know the idea of scheming was important to her, but it seems when she actually got into the game, the way she put it all into practice didn't work because she said in her post-game CBS interview that she was surprised at how paranoid everyone was from the get-go. I'm a bit surprised that she was surprised because paranoia, especially in the first vote, is a key feature of Survivor. You know, just look at Elaine on the other tribe and how she was in tears at tribal council last week because she was so worried about getting voted out, mm-hmm. even though everybody had decided to target Ronnie. But Molly came in with the strategy to lie low. Uh, she said in the pregame that she wanted to do more watching than talking, which sounds a lot like Ronnie's sitting and watching strategy. And as I said last week, I don't think you can just sit and watch or else people will wonder what you're up to. You know, Molly said in an interview, I thought I was staying under the radar by not talking a lot of strategy, but that actually made people, especially the women, more wary of. Right. It's so interesting how this all transpired for her, because I do feel like when I was going through all of this, it is the exact opposite of what we saw Ronnie, what we saw happen with Ronnie, which you've just talked about incredibly concisely, because that's it's so true. She was trying to do everything non-strategically because she thought under the radar was going to be better for her. But because she was doing that, it was almost like people were viewing that as being strategic because she just had people wrapped around her finger. And so like that was that was how she was being strategic. It's so very fascinating to me how people's perceptions of you can set the course for how this game ends up for you. I mean, we saw Ronnie end up being perceived as as very unapproachable and and the poker face. He wasn't smiling a lot. And and the, the read that people had on him that he was kind of conniving. And then Molly, we have the complete opposite read. And because of the way she's being perceived, People think that that's her game and that's her strategy and she's poverty and she's got to go. So it's it's really incredible. I can't say it enough that the way that people see you, that's going to decide how your game will play out 100 percent. Yeah. And, uh, you know, take that word perception and put a pin in it because that's going to come up a lot. Yeah. You know, my notes are filled with stuff like that. And, you know, for listeners, we don't compare notes generally beforehand. So it was funny as I'm sitting here listening to you and you talk about how she was perceived by the rest of her tribe. And I'm like, wow, she's reading from my notes. even though she can't see them. <laughs> Well, everything you said about Ronnie, I was doing the same thing because it, yeah. it really is so incredible how how different the two games were, but eerily similar in a strange way, mm-hmm. too, because they both had these ideas about how they were going to play the game. But instead, it was how they per- were perceived as they played the game. And I do think that, unfortunately for Molly, her idea that she didn't want to play the strategic game, and she said that a lot in her exit interviews, that she wanted to focus more on a social game and not strategic right out of the gate, really did backfire for her because that, unfortunately, her social game became her strategic game. Well, and it often is. You know, she did say that she wanted to have strategic and social conversations with every person. Now, I'm I'm not sure how that intertwines with the watching not talking strategy but you know whatever however it was that it was supposed to work it didn't you know she didn't pull it off because she told mike bloom 
that, that I knew I didn't commit enough to the relationships I felt would have carried me to the end. I was trying to hold back early to lay low and not seem too strategic. I regret Mm -hmm. that. I should have gone to people I really wanted to play with and come up with ideas. I didn't do that. I went along with what other people were saying. I own that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, indeed, that was part of the problem. The first rule says from the very beginning, you have to start making alliances and cementing relationships. And I do mean the very beginning. Yeah. It also talks about how you need to check in with your allies frequently to both ensure they're good and also give them comfort. She acknowledges that she missed on both of these. Last week, we talked about how Ronnie missed a crucial chance to make an ally in Chelsea. Molly's situation wasn't as blatant in the way she missed a chance, mm-hmm. but the result was the same. Yeah. And she did form relationships with people. And, and obviously, we had the King, Queen and Jack trio that was being referenced so there had to have been a very clear division if you will that these three are together and that get no that definitely gets noticed when you're out there you start seeing groups of people and who's hanging out with who and unfortunately for molly even though she might have just thought like i think uh she was even talking about how she and jason were very similar and she wanted to have a relationship with jason but it, it really boils down to who do people see you with most often and if you are with Jack and Jamal, most often people are going to say, well, that's a trio. It doesn't matter that you want to have a relationship with Jason and that you're very similar to him and you've had some conversations and that you would like to get with Janet and and Kelly and and have those conversations. You have to spend time with those people because that's the only way that you can throw off this idea that you are a three or a two. You have to be you have to spread yourself out. That's the only way you're going to be able to avoid being kind of pigeonholed into that's a group of three. Yeah. And I I think we'll talk about that more later as we get to various other points where that became important. Now, Um, you know, for her part. And again, we'll talk about this later. She believed she was not with those three so much. Again, perception. But we'll Mm -hmm. we'll get to more of that later. Um, I I mean. I, I will say. So those three were working together and they seemed to believe that they had control of the tribe. But now, you know, I'm an engineer. I've taken a lot of math classes in my life. I know three does not equal a majority in a 10 person tribe. Right. Oh, yeah. It really, someone needed to start counting on their fingers there. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to get you where you need to go for sure. So, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, why they believed that um, that they had full control. We we just didn't see much of it. I'm sure that there was a reason. You know, they must have spoken to people, but we didn't see what that was. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting the way that it was at least edited because Jamal was talking about how we're really like under the radar, kind of in control, and nobody knows that we are, and then flip to everybody saying those three are running everything. Or right. think they are. So I do think it, it's, it's interesting how Jamal and Molly and Jack thought they saw things and how the whole tribe saw what was transpiring. Yeah. Now, you know, one thing that is important, I think, is that during the conversation that led to, well, eventually people voting out Molly, Lauren asked what Janet and Kelly were thinking. And Janet replied, I was told we're doing a split vote. Lauren said in the confessional that she doesn't need to be told what to do and herded like a sheep. So it does seem like part of the problem was that the others felt like they were being directed 
mm-hmm. rather than consulted. Yes. And, you know, Stephen said on know-it-alls, you want to feel valued as an ally, not just be told how to vote. Yes. And that is something that we've said time and time again, that no one really wants to throw the first name out. There needs to be more of a group think kind of feeling coming from whatever decision is made, that this is going to be best for all of us. And this is what the group thinks. And it's not just about what I want. And I'm telling you to do this. It's about what we all want and the consensus that we come to together. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like Molly, Jamal and Jack thought there was a consensus, but people like Lauren and Kelly and Janet thought that they were being told what to do. Yes. And, and then you, know, you have to difference. throw Nora in there, too. Uh, well, you don't really have to throw Nora in there because I think they thought the consensus was to get rid of Nora. Uh, so. Well, right. But the reason why I say you have to throw Nora in there is because Nora and I don't know if we want to talk about this now or not, but she's kind of the wrench that gets thrown in the works for Molly because Nora is willing to be a little more vocal to people about uh, the situation and and who's being lazy and who's not doing work and kind of calling people out, you know, calling a, a spade a spade, if you will. And and Nora was talking to other people about her perception of Molly and and the cool kids table and all of this stuff. So you there was a voice kind of riding that wave and someone who was who was saying out loud what other people might have been thinking. And that's all you need is one person to be saying it and people thinking it. And then all of a sudden you can get things to turn, which is exactly what we saw happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get the feeling that anything that Nora thinks she will say out loud. Well, yes. And but that's what I mean. So that's <laughs> not good for Molly, that you have somebody like that who is so vocal. And willing to kind of throw you under the bus in front of everybody like she did and then continue to talk about Molly in the way that she did to other players, because that's all other players need. Like if if Lauren heard that, which I'm sure she did, because we saw Nora, Lauren probably thought, hey, here's an idea. You know, there's 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 a thing here that that's at play with Molly. And if Nora's already in that corner, Jason will probably be there, too. How many other people can I get over there? And and it just and then it turns into something that it wasn't it wasn't actually a thing until somebody brought it. You know, it's until Nora really, I think, shined a light on it. Yeah. And. Um, well, or, you know, I said something like uh, Nora uh, says whatever comes to her mind and uh, you said it was a problem for Molly. And uh, here's a preview for a soon-to-be upcoming uh, podcast. It'll also be a problem for Nora. Oh, absolutely. I'm not saying it's a good strategy. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) It's just something that, unfortunately for Molly, she was on the receiving end of Nora. And that's that's bad. That's a bad thing for Molly. Yeah. All right. We can move on to the second rule, which tells players not to scheme and plot too much. And now... (laughs) In a way, we were talking about how Molly didn't do enough, um, but she also was seen as doing too much. Yes. So it comes back to this perception thing that we were talking about. You know, the rest of the tribe thought that she was tight with Jamal and Jack, like we said. And of course, this rule warns against duos. Well, if a duo is bad, then a trio is roughly 150% worse. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, yes. No, 150%. 150, true. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't know. I just made it up. Uh, but, 
you know, they felt that she saw herself as the queen, like you said, and they felt that she was telling them what to do, like we were just talking about. It's an interesting situation, and I think part of the explanation is that because Molly didn't fully commit to scheming with several of the others, like Janet and Kelly, mm-hmm. the others felt like they were being left out, even though they weren't in Molly's yes. mind. It it seemed like she must have been plotting too much with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it is an interesting domino effect when you see people who are made to feel a certain way. And if those people talk about how they were made to feel... And, oh, well, that's the same way I feel about this person. So then again, you go back to that. It becomes a group think. I, I just that's that's the one that's the, the big word for me right now is that, mm-hmm. that that's what kind of takes over. And and even though this might have started as a as a small little thing, the more people start to talk about how they feel and how they think that Molly is, it takes on kind of a life of its own. And suddenly Molly is this huge threat who's who's in charge and running the show and she's the queen and it really does this narrative is created and molly's kind of sitting there going wait what (laughs) what just happened (laughs) i wasn't doing any of those things but it takes on a life of its of its own and that's what i think happened here is that people all kind of started talking about it and it just ballooned into this thing yeah yeah i think so so uh, before we go on to the rest of the rules, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors if there's one in your area. If not, we'll be back even quicker. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back. So let's go on to the third rule, which talks about being flexible. How do you think Molly did here? Well, she did say that she wanted to be adaptable in the game. So she came into it with that idea that she would be. She also did emphasize that she wanted to try to form as many social relationships and have conversations with as many people as she possibly could. So I think her plan was to be flexible in her approach because she didn't want to, at least according to her pregame interviews, solidify herself with any group or individual right away. She wanted to kind of take everybody in and then figure out who she wanted to work with. So she had a great idea when it came to being flexible, but unfortunately she got locked into Jack, Jamal and Molly. And so it, she didn't appear to be flexible. I think in relationship to the other players that were on her tribe, she appeared to be in a tight three, which I think affected her ability to then really negotiate where she sat in that tribe, because all of a sudden people didn't think that she had an interest in working with them. So it affected her ability to be flexible. Yeah. I, 
I agree completely. Uh, you know, she she intended to be flexible. Like we said earlier, she thought she was spending enough time with everybody, but clearly everybody else didn't think that. She mm-hmm. believed that they were all thinking along the same lines. Clearly, they didn't think that either. And right. so, you know, believing that she was in that tight three, well, that was that. And, yeah. and you know, it, Molly said in her interviews that wasn't the case, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if that was really the case. What mattered was the perception of her tribe mates because perception is reality. Yeah. Boy. My poor Molly. <laughs> All right. The fourth rule tells players not to let their emotions control them. Uh, what did you think of Molly in this regard? Oh, I, you know what? I really think she was great in this regard because like the one scene that really stuck out the most to me was when Nora, I mean, started out the episode, you know, Nora was coming at her complaining about how she was up all night handling fire and that you were sleeping and didn't do anything. And she was really in Molly's face and that could have escalated and turned into a thing. And Molly didn't let it. She made a comment to, I think it made it been Kelly that was standing there, but I don't remember. Uh, but she didn't let it develop into a, a full-on, you know, fight with Nora. So she really kept that in check. And we also saw the same thing with Jason. She talked about in her interviews how she and Jason were talking, and he wanted to do this whole, like, strip thing at tribal <laughs> council to prove he didn't have an idol. And she was the one that talked him down off of that ladder and said, don't do that. So I think she had a great idea of how to control her emotions. And she spent a lot of time just kind of smiling and, and appearing to be very, very nice. And she used a, a word to describe herself a lot. And I can't remember now, but maybe it was just like amicable where she was just, you know, I, I don't think that, that she had an issue at all with controlling her emotions. And we even saw it in tribal council when she tried to persuade Jason again, that he wasn't in purgatory and that, he was involved with the group and I, and so she was trying to control his emotional response at that moment too. So I do think that she had that in check very well. Now, let me ask you something here. This just kind of came to me as you were saying it, she, you're right on, on everything that you said. She did not let emotions cloud her judgment and she stayed very level. Do you think you need to show more emotions than she saw? You know what? I do. Showed. And, and it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because she actually said in her exit press that she went into her pregame interviews being very calm and didn't really get, oh, I can't remember the word that she used either. I'd have to flip through all of my pages of notes here, but oh, she, she went into interview mode and she was taking her tell herself too seriously at the beginning of the game. And so I feel like that might have been her problem as well, is that she was presenting herself in kind of an even kill fashion and not realizing that the read that she was giving people was I'm too cool for school kind of thing. You know, the cool kids table, like I don't need to be bothered with you, so I'm not even going to try. That was the impression she was giving as opposed to just being someone who was trying to be laid back and not emotional. Maybe it would have been better for her to kind of fly off the handle like Nora was doing because God, we've seen that that works now. <laughs> Apparently well, when you're really bad at social interactions, you become really good at the game of survivor. Well, I'm thinking of it more in terms of if you show no emotions at all, you know, in my world, logic should rule the day. 
Okay. Yes. If it were up to me, logic would rule the day. But we know that's not the truth for every situation. And I think that by not having any emotional reaction, it may have been that some of her tribe mates looked at her and went, well, she just thinks she's in control of the situation, so she doesn't worry about it. Yeah, no, and I and, agree. I, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know there have been cases where I have been testifying at a, a hearing of one type or another, and the other side will often use emotion and will just dwell on emotion and ignore you know, things I have literally been in situations where I hold up a chart that shows everything you're saying is wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they'll be like, yes, but my baby or yes, but my mother. Uh-huh. And so there have been times where I have uh, sometimes purposely, sometimes maybe I just got a little angry and got warned by a hearing officer, um, you know, that I have inserted emotional responses into my testimony or my responses to questions because it doesn't you know the pure logic doesn't seem to be getting through yes and i will say that someone who is a prosecutor who has seen people testify there is an expectation by the jury when they're watching people that there will be some emotional response even though someone who is like a dna analyst from the lab that's they're they're being very calculated and meticulous in their work. They don't need to involve emotion in what they do because what they're doing is scientific. So but the jury watches and says, well, this person seems kind of robotic. I don't. And so they they lose interest. They're not as as infatuated with that witness and what they're saying, because there there's no emotional attachment to them. So I do think that that's a great analogy with what we're potentially seeing here is that the way Molly was presenting herself was one that there was no emotional response that people like people probably expected Molly to have a different response to Nora when Nora was in her face and making accusations. And it might have shocked people that Molly just kind of took it in stride and smiled and just said, well, yeah, I was sleeping. I slept great. You know, and and that response could have been, well, she just she looks cocky. She looks like she's not concerned. So I do think that for Molly, it didn't bode well when people saw her responding in that way without that emotional response that really probably was necessary for her. Yeah. And, and just to be clear, I am not suggesting that people should be more emotional in their decision making on Survivor, because that's what this rule warns against. Mm -hmm. It's just more of an observation, kind of a spur of the moment observation. Believe me, there's nothing in my notes about any that anything we just discussed here. Just, you know, the stuff that you were mentioning made me think about that and think about maybe that was part of the again, it comes back to this word perception issue. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that that's I, I think that she went about it the correct way not having that emotional response. But unfortunately, this is kind of a house of cards and everything's being stacked against her. And so she needed to do something different than what she was doing, because clearly what was happening wasn't working for her because the read that people had on her in the situation was not what Molly thought it was. So it's just it's one of those that maybe she should have not followed the rule in this particular situation. But then then again, she didn't even know what was happening. So how is she to know that she needed to do that? All right, uh, we can move on to the fifth rule, which discusses how players have to pretend to be nice and play the social game. And I guess we've kind of just been discussing that a bit. Um, now, I mentioned earlier that last week when Ronnie tried to target the most popular player on the tribe, it all turned around on him. And the way things were portrayed 
Molly was the popular girl on Vokai. Mm-hmm. Yet Lauren and company succeeded in voting her out. So, you know, the question has come up. Matter of fact, we were specifically asked this on Twitter. Why did things go so differently on the two tribes? And the answer, I think, is multi multifold. Mm-hmm. One is that Molly clearly was not as popular with all her tribe mates as Elaine was. You know, no one felt left out by Elaine. And Elaine was able to find out that she was being targeted because at least three other people objected to it when they were told about it. Mm-hmm. On Vokai, Nora and Jason apparently did feel left out by Molly and maybe some of the others as well, like we were just talking about. Um, I mean, we certainly saw what Nora thought about her. And, you know, Elaine had great relationships with everyone. Even mm-hmm. Ronnie liked her, which was one reason he feared her. Right. Molly was not feared because Lauren liked her, but because Lauren thought Molly could charm everyone else and was already on the path to do so, though clearly not everyone had already succumbed to her charms. Right. And I do think that she was coming into this game with a potential issue that she couldn't control. And that was the this idea that she's poverty 2.0. Yes. Everybody knows how great poverty is at this game and how great she is socially and creating relationships and really kind of getting people behind her and making things happen. So you've got three people, I think it was at least three. Yes. That mentioned in her in their pregame interviews that she's poverty and how like, oh God, no. I I don't want anything to do with her. I don't want her on my tribe. Like I I want I don't want anything to do with her because that's who she reminds me of. And so that, I think, is a huge burden to overcome when you want to play Survivor. If people are immediately comparing you to one of the best people that ever played this game, you've got a huge uphill battle. And I think that that was part of her issue. And it's not even anything she can necessarily control. I guess she has to smile less. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, we talked about first impressions from Ponderosa Mm -hmm. impacting on Ronnie. And here they are again. Yeah. So you mentioned it. So Lauren said. Molly looks very sweet, super athletic, but she seems like a threat to me. She reminds me of Parvati. These Mm -hmm. girls who go far in the competition. She has a really sweet smile. I have to watch for that one for sure. Okay. And we know Lauren was the one who sparked this. Mm -hmm. All right. Jason also brought up the Parvati comparison and said it was, uh, you know, she was the girl who can have men wrapped around her finger. Uh, She's super, super charming, uh, you know, and kept on going in that same that that same sort of thread and then even tommy joined in saying that molly was trouble she's smiling at everybody how dare she Um, i know (laughs) everyone's staring at her she's parvati Mm 2.0 i don't want to be on her tribe i don't want to be at the merge with her you know and so he just kept going also in that that same vein mm-hmm. and sure tommy wasn't one of the instigators but he did go along with it and i have to believe his first impression made it a lot easier for him to buy into what the others were selling yeah i mean i think now with the way that this game has has evolved a lot of the people who now are on survivor are super fans or people that have watched a lot of seasons that know how the game is played they know the previous players And I know when I sit here and I'm doing their initial cast assessments, I try to figure out who do they remind me of, who's someone that this person is similar to. And then that becomes part of your judgment, if you will, about how this person might play the game. Now, I didn't 
think that she was completely poverty 2.0, but you can see that there's something about her. Even her smile is very similar. So even a physical characteristic that reminds you of someone else can certainly cause people to judge you. And unfortunately, that's what Ponderosa is. It's it's three or four days or five days, however long they want to make you crazy for, of people just judging other people based on looks and mannerisms, how they eat their food, if they take a fork. I mean, that was something that someone mentioned. I think it might have been Ronnie who talked about someone picking up a fork. I mean, it's every little thing you can imagine is being judged. And I think for Molly, unfortunately, that was a huge part of the game that she was then playing because she can't control that perception, but that's what people were getting from her. And if three people mentioned it, I'm sure more than those three people mentioned it. Yeah. And, you know, as for Molly herself, she responded to these thoughts about being so charming by agreeing in an interview that she was getting along with everyone and that she generally gets along well with men. But she didn't think she had anyone in the palm of her hand or she was controlling them. And she said, there's nothing in the episode or from what I can remember happening that could give any evidence that backs up the claim that I had all these men wrapped around my finger. Now, here's the thing. This isn't a courtroom. You don't mm -hmm. need evidence. Mm -hmm. You only need to worry about how people perceive you. And yep. that was apparently the perception, you know. I, and, and again, it goes back to this idea that she was hanging out specifically with Jamal and Jack too much. And and she also didn't agree with that. And it surprised her to see how quickly people jumped onto them being this power trio. Mm -hmm. But she did admit the three of them had similar mindsets and were relaxed while everyone else was paranoid. She disagreed with the notion of them being the popular kids compared to the quote unquote nerds on the tribe. But apparently not being paranoid is off putting to someone who is paranoid, which is most people on Survivor. Yes. And listen, words of advice for future Survivor players. Bring your stuff to every tribal oh, council God, yes, unless you have the immunity necklace. Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, every, just pack it up and bring it with you because that is going to scream cocky. That is going to, and, and Jamal got called out for it. So don't do that. Just pack up your stuff and bring it with you. I understand it's difficult. There's water. You got to wade through. You got to get on a boat. There's a lot of stuff happening. I get it. But do it anyway. Do it anyway. Bring your stuff because then that way it's one less thing people can notice about you and talk about you negatively for doing yeah unless you're trying to show that you're confident for some reason right but yeah. that wasn't yeah um now i do want to say you know we talked at the beginning of this rule about how lauren and company you know uh, flipped the script in a way that ronnie could not and i i do want to note there was an element of risk to what lauren did because oh, huge yeah you know often everybody just wants an easy first vote and anyone who tampers with that can find themselves becoming that easy first vote like Ronnie did. But whether through luck or good reading, Lauren didn't face that, you know, in part because Molly herself said she didn't commit enough to the relationships we wa she wanted, including Kelly and Janet, you know, because if she had and those two felt more like they were part uh, part of Molly's circle of friends slash circle of trust. They probably went to gone along with the idea and might have reported it back to her, much like Vince and Tom and Karishma did to Elaine on Lero last week. Right. Absolutely. And I do think that this is something, it, even though we, we don't know it yet, and it seems like Lauren pulled this off and hasn't had any issues or there was no fallback onto Lauren. The one concern that I have here 
is that you've you still have Nora and Jason who have both been made to feel ousted, even though they were included in this vote. They're smart enough to recognize that, well, yeah, I was included in this vote because we're two more votes for them to get what Mm -hmm. they want. And of course, it's beneficial to them because they're not the ones getting voted out. So you basically have two people who could very well just go rogue because they've they've been made to feel like they're not included, that they are in the outs. Now they've been included in a vote because they've been needed, but it still doesn't make them feel like they're part of the group. And so I do think that this is a very dangerous thing for Lauren to do. If she can't wrangle those two, if she can't bring Nora and Jason into the fold and really make them feel like they are significant and they matter, she is going to, I think, find it very difficult. The, the ripple effect that that can have because you have two people who I think are going to cause some serious problems, especially Nora for people up and coming. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll see in our predictions. Uh, (laughs) All right. We can move on to the sixth rule, which warns against being too much of a threat. And I I think a lot of it can be summed up from just a couple scenes. Uh, In one, Lauren asked what she Uh, what Janet thought of Molly and Janet said, I think she's a really smart player and I think she has the men in her palm of her hands. Lauren responded. She does. She has that effect on all of us. Janet concluded. And that's a lot of power. Mm. Then Lauren said in confessional, the biggest threat right now is Molly. A blind man can see that these three are running the game. So yes, Molly was definitely targeted as a threat. Mm -hmm. 100%. And she even said, that she didn't want to be perceived as a threat, but she can understand why she would be perceived as a threat. She said that pregame interviews and then reflected on it in her postgame interviews that that was what she wanted to avoid was being seen as a threat. So she thought having this laid back approach was going to be beneficial to her and not being perceived as a threat. Unfortunately, that backfired on her. So absolutely. She was a threat. Damn it. She was my winner pick. Of course, she's a threat. <laughs> she should have won. Anyway. All right. Uh, so the seventh rule covers idols and advantages. And we once again don't have anything to say in this regard about Molly. So we can skip it. No, but she did give us some interesting tidbits about Nora. Which we don't oh. need to talk about now, if you don't want. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. So Nora made a fake immunity idol. Which When did she talk about that? Did one of her exit interviews. I couldn't believe I it. Uh, that w- one. Wiggler interview. Um, apparently, Nora made a fake. Yeah, she made a fake immunity idol and was like oh. running around telling people. Wow, I was somehow, like, what? Go, Nora. So, somehow I missed that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just thought that was interesting. Gonna, clearly, it's going to be very important coming up since uh, it wasn't even on the show. Right. Anyway, <laughs> got to give Nora some props for that. Well, it depends. If she told everyone it was a fake one, then you don't get any props. Yeah, but at least she was trying. I don't know. Yeah, there was a guy who uh, did that on in. I, I won't say too much so as not to spoil it. A recently concluded international one where he made a fake idol, but then told everyone it was a fake idol. It's like, no, come well, on. What's the point? There's no point. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll move on to Appendix A, which is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting. And a big part of this rule is that they should, whenever possible, vote out, vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. Now, you don't know this, but Rob said on the, the most recent patron cast, which is available to RHAP patrons, 
that he still doesn't understand this concept, despite the number of times I've explained it. <laughs> and uh, we did back when he and I were the ones doing this podcast. He did sometimes still just kind of shake his hand, head and throw up his hands when I would talk about this. Uh, but he did acknowledge it must be true because it's on a poster. It is on a poster. So therefore, there you go. Uh, but yeah, buy but, the poster. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll buy one for, we'll, we'll send one to Rob with an explanation. <gasps> oh my God, Christmas. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, now we just told him. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> anyway. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, there really wasn't one obvious person to be targeted because they were excessively weak in challenges. But there were at least a few who could be targeted because they were weak in the second way, which was causing divisions in the tribe. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Nora and Jason were options there, and they were the first option. But less obviously, until it was pointed out, was the trio of Molly, Jamal, and Jack. So then we have to ask the question, well, why did the tribe choose Molly? And, and I think Molly hit the nail on the head in her CBS interview when she said people saw that they could use Nora and Jason since they were on the outs, which would be better than sticking with Molly and her perceived power. Mm-hmm. She, she also said women are viewed as more expendable early in Survivor, so it wouldn't hurt in challenges as much. And I also think this is the reason that she in particular was the choice among the supposed cool kids threesome. Uh, Sarah Channon pointed out on Twitter, when a threat is targeted amongst a group of threats, it's the weakest threat who gets voted out. And Molly was indeed the physically weakest of the three. Interesting. Mm, interesting. So then the question we need to answer is whether the tribe made the right decision. No. <laughs> That's it. It's just no. They totally screwed this one up. They they jumped the shark. The bad idea. You're all going down. Molly should never have been voted out. All right. So that was Jessica's very objective view of the uh, of the question. Um, I I'll be I'll take the the opposing side here. I'll take okay. I'll I'll take the emotional response. No, and, I had the emotional response. Oh, oh, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> Um, so, you know, it was, it, I'd say it was difficult to say because it was the first vote, but there is some truth to the idea of keeping the people who seem controllable and, and, you know, yes. whether, whether or not Nora will ever be controllable is, is up in the air, but, you know, instead of someone who is controlling, if, if Nora does keep up her behavior and Jamal and Jack can reintegrate with the group then I do think Nora will have to be targeted next or she could become a big liability in a tribe swap. She's a huge liability. And this is why they made the wrong choice. Here's the thing. I appreciate Nora's personality. She's a very strong individual. There's a lot of great qualities about Nora. But when you're playing a game like Survivor, sometimes you want to know that you can trust the people you're playing with or at least rely on them to not do like crazy outlandish things. And I feel like Nora's the type of person that, like I said, she's going to go rogue. She's someone who has already been made to feel like she's on the outs. And it was, it's been supported in her in how she's being treated in the game. And now you have this group of people that have come to her and said, okay, this is the vote that, that we want to do. And so suddenly she's needed, but it's for this vote. She's not going to be, made to feel like she's integral to the group. She's only important for that particular vote to make this happen. And so someone like Nora 
can wreak havoc because if there is a swap and you've got a majority over here and Nora is part of the minority from Vokai, I guarantee you she's going to tell the Laro people, hey, listen, you want to know what's up? Let me tell you what's up. And she will inform them fully as to who's in control and who's running the show and make it very easy for Laro to vote out someone else from Vokai because Nora's not going to feel any connection to those people. She's not going to feel like that was those are my people and I need to keep them close to me. So I think that they totally misread the situation. It's much better to keep someone like Molly, who maybe you're not connecting with right now. Maybe you're not jiving with right now, but. She's at least someone you don't need to worry about because you know exactly where she's coming from. She's with those other two people. They're that three. So you see it, you know it, you don't need to worry about it. There's no shocking, surprising thing that will happen. Well, Nora, that's a different story. Oh, yeah. It can be all kinds of shocking, surprising things that could happen. Yeah. All Big right. Mistake. Uh, well, that Big mistake. second uh, that that second explanation was a little bit more objective than the first. I know, I know. <sighs> it's an emotional response. I'm not doing well. I'm not following uh, the rules correctly. I apologize. All right. Well, we'll we'll let it pass this time. Uh, but I do have to ask you: Do you have any final thoughts? I do. Interestingly enough, because she was <laughs> my winner pick, and you know what? I have to say this too. She was my winner pick. And you know who else committed to her early? Jeff Probst did. God damn it. They cast her first. She was committed to way earlier than they normally commit to anybody who they put on the show because Survivor likes to keep you waiting and make you wait, make you wait before they tell you you're on the show. She was told way ahead of everybody else they were committing to her so she wouldn't pay her law school bill, basically. So Jeff Probst committed to her. I committed to her. I think Molly had a great shot at winning this game. Obviously, she was my winner pick. And I do think, and we've talked about this, how this was the exact opposite of what we saw last week. And interestingly enough, and I can't remember who said this, but in one of her pregame interviews, and again, I don't remember, but someone said that she had the potential to be overlooked. I don't know who said that. It might have been Josh Wiggler, but that she had the potential to be overlooked, which clearly she was not overlooked. So whoever said that, sorry, you were wrong. She mm -hmm. was not overlooked. Everybody was paying attention to Molly because Molly couldn't help but exude the attention that she was being given. She didn't understand that she was being perceived in the manner that she was. Her social game became her strategic game, even though she didn't really want it to be. And her social game was not strategically sound. She wasn't talking to enough people. She wasn't forming enough bonds. And she's acknowledges herself that she needed to spend more time with those people like Kelly and Janet and Jason, really solidifying those people. Her dream, uh, like, alliance, if you will, included people like Jason and Janet and Kelly. And she didn't focus on them. And if that's your dream, if those are the people that you want to work with, then those are the people you need to spend time with. Someone like Jamal or Jack that you already know that you're familiar with and you got a thing with, great. Focus on the other people. Don't spend your time with Jamal and Jack. Unfortunately, Molly didn't do that. So Molly ended up kind of being her own worst enemy. She came into the game with this idea that she was going to kind of lay back, stay in the shadows, didn't want to be deemed as a threat. So she was just going to be smiley and nice and amicable and get along with everybody but unfortunately that turned into she's the cool girl at the cool kids table and she was the queen with her king and jack 
And it all just blew up for her because she was not appreciated for it. Nora didn't like it. And Lauren didn't like it. And then nobody really liked it. Unfortunately, she had seven people that didn't like it and they voted out of the game. So I am very sad for Molly. I think she had incredible potential to play this game very well. And because she had such incredible potential, that's why she got voted out. Because she was a social threat. She was poverty 2.0 and people saw that. And that didn't bode well for her. So I'm sorry, Molly. I picked you for my winner pick. And I and I I screwed you over because of it. So I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. <laughs> sorry for that. It's the butterfly effect. What can I do? Yeah, the reverse butterfly effect. It really is. It's so sad. <laughs> All right. Well, as you've been saying, Molly came into Survivor well prepared. She made sure she didn't jump in and overplay too soon, but she swung too far in the opposite direction not making sure she solidified relationships and allies right away and not being paranoid enough. I think her long-term game plan was probably a good one, but unfortunately for her, the others on her tribe saw her plan for what it could be and decided well, not to let her get to the long-term, which is why a survivor player has to worry about the short-term first and foremost in these early days. In her defense, Molly thought she was solid for now. She had allies and the target seemed obvious. But because she was so well prepared and didn't expect the levels of paranoia, she was perceived as being too comfortable. That set her apart along with Jamal and Jack. The first impression several others had of her also set her apart and made them worried about her before she had even said a word to them. Several times I've mentioned that Molly was thinking one thing, but her tribe mates saw her in a different light. She thought she'd been hanging out with everyone but they thought she was focused on the tight trio. She thought everyone had come to a mutual agreement about the vote, while others felt like they had been told what to do. She didn't think she was over-scheming, but others thought she was controlling people and had them in the palm of her hand. It's difficult to look outside yourself and figure out what other people think, especially in such a relatively short time, but it's something that survivor players need to figure out. As a matter of fact, Molly said in her interview with Rob that one piece of advice she has for future players is to ask everyone in your life why they'd want to vote you out. She didn't think of herself as charming in a social threat, but clearly others did. Perception is reality. Molly thought she was in a good position, a safe position, but the others thought she was in too good a position and felt too safe. They didn't want Molly to have time to perform all the parvity magic they thought she had. As Janet said, somewhat exaggeratedly, this was the only chance they had to get rid of her before she did, well, whatever it was they believed she could do. They pegged her as a long-term threat, and they may have been right. So they decided to take out that perceived threat before she could use her magic powers. And that is why Molly lost. So sad. And it's that so sad. is why Jessica lost her winner pick. I I'm so bad at this. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Well, it's so terrible. No, no that, pressure. Then I'll do predictions first for next week. How's that? Oh, that's good because this is one that I'm going to go back and forth on. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so from the various previews that we've seen, it looks like the men are forming a counter alliance to the women on Layro. So exciting. So exciting. It, well, including inviting Vince to work with them, which, mm -hmm. you know, Vince calls stupid for doing that. And considering the way Vince was running around and divulging every plan in the first vote, I would have to agree with his assessment that inviting him into an alliance is indeed stupid. 
Yes. Um, also on Lero, Karishma cuts herself badly. And I, I can already tell I'm going to have to turn away from the TV on this one. And, and mm. you know, she gets upset that apparently nobody comes to help her. Uh, now, I feel like this will be one of those things that turns out to be a big nothing. Like she gets mad at them, but then something happens and all is well again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a similar note, we know that the Island of the Idols challenge is for someone to sneak into the other camp, which I also think will amount to a big nothing beyond maybe some amusement. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, what is there to say? Well, one big question on Vokai is whether Lauren made the same error so many people made last season. Did she vote out the threat just to turn into the threat? It's possible. I, I feel like it's more likely to be an issue later, though. So I'm going to put that aside. For now, I find it odd that Vokai in general and Nora in particular weren't even mentioned in the previews. And mm-hmm. remember Hubicki's Law. <laughs> you're not in trouble until you're not mentioned in the preview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did say earlier that if Vokai goes back to tribal council, they need to vote out Nora next. So I think that's what's going to happen. And Nora will be gone. See, that's very interesting because I talked around and around and around because we all know that I'm really good at these predictions. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever I say, it's like I sh- it should be, you know, Lewis law, not Hubicki's law. I mean, come on. Ah, yes. <laughs> so, so initially my my gut was like because they screwed up and they they voted out Molly and they shouldn't have well then the next in line would have been if they're following the same idea that those three people are in control well then your boy is going to be in trouble your winner picked them nope. all nope. I, I I understand I understand then there was another part of me that was like well maybe Dan because we know that there's still some potential issues with Dan but then I started looking at, at at everyone who's left and thinking, well, if Lauren is as good of a player as she appears to be, and I, I gave Lauren a lot of props before this season even started. I thought she was going to be a force to be reckoned with. And she's clearly making that clear. She's <laughs> clearly making that clear. That was kind of interesting. But the fact that she did this and it didn't appear as if there was any fallback on her, not like we saw with Ronnie, where all of a sudden you're trying to get the cool kid out and everybody's mad. Really, the only two people that she's upset are going to be Jamal and Jack, which means Jamal and Jack are going to do everything they can to get into her good graces again. And how do they do that? Well, let's take out Nora. I, so I, I do agree that in, in Lauren, I think Lauren is going to be running the show in a very Lauren-esque way that is going to be beneficial to her for now, because I do think it's going to come back to bite her later. But I think that she is going to get this group to come to a consensus again and realize that Nora's got to go because she clearly has a way of working the room and working the people who are in that room to do what's best for her game. And I think her game is to get rid of someone like Nora. She needed Nora for a vote. Well, she's done. She got Molly out, who's the other alpha female, if you will, in the group. Now it's just going to be Lauren wanting to be the alpha female. So Nora can go. So I think I think you are correct in your assessment. All right. We're in agreement. Even though I really wanted to say it was going to be Jamal. Ah, well. No chance. No chance. Zero percent I know. And that's the problem. And that's why I had to work through it in my brain so many times. Because I was like, well, damn it. It's just not working out the way I thought it should. Ah, well. 
Okay, as we uh, begin to wrap up here, I want to encourage people to check out the RHAP patron program by heading to robhasawebsite.com slash patron. Earlier, I mentioned the patron cast, which is just one of the many special things Rob does for patrons. Uh, there are weekly Facebook call-in shows, a weekly Q&A podcast with Nicole and Rob, uh, and, and much more. Also, on Facebook, you'll find a great community of people you can talk to about Survivor, Big Brother, and much more. Again, that's robhasawebsite.com slash patron. And once you get to the Facebook groups, make sure to say hello to us. Yes, please say hi. And you should also say hi to us on Twitter. Follow us at David Bloomberg and also at Jessica Lewis 89. You want to follow both of us because we do have funny banter back and forth. And also the gift game is strong. So you need to follow us so you can follow everything we say, not only outside of the Wednesday Survivor Day, but also during the episode because we both live tweet. Lots of great discussion there and fun little follow ups throughout the week. So follow us both at David Bloomberg and at Jessica Lewis 89. Yeah, you're the only one I know who can tweet a question about how the proper way to eat string cheese is and get last I saw it was over 40 responses. Can I tell it's a very intriguing question, is it not? I, I mean, I didn't think it was 40 responses into intriguing, but I guess no, everybody has their own thoughts. No, it definitely is intriguing because it's one of those things that it's called string cheese for a reason. You're supposed mm-hmm. to peel it apart and eat it in little strings. However, there are a lot of times that I just find myself biting it and then I feel I need to be not doing that. It seems improper and wrong. So thank you, everybody who responded to that. And there's a lot of that I throw up there on Twitter. Intriguing thoughts. Mm -hmm. I like the banter. I like the discussion. It's good to know. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, uh, if that doesn't encourage people to follow us on Twitter, nothing will. It should. I Tyson, let me tell you, I loved his suggestion. If you're older than six, you better bite it. <laughs> I thought that was great. Well, uh, I think he's yes. wrong, just so you know. But Oh, see, you have you have thoughts on this too. I do. I do. See? It's just like hummus. I asked everybody, are you supposed to stir hummus or just eat it the way that it is? Because hummus always comes with that little deliciousness in the oh, you center. You gotta stir it. You gotta stir okay, it. Okay, see, so you're of the of the stir that. mindset. Yeah. So I didn't see that tweet. Yeah, that was a long time ago. But it's these oh, okay. are the things that come to my mind very late at night when I'm like, huh, I wonder how other people feel about this. So Twitter's a great avenue for that because you can find out how other people feel. I love it. Well, yes, you on Twitter, you can definitely find out how other people feel. <laughs> yes, that you is, can. That is for sure. So, yes, you should uh, definitely follow us both. And then you can be part of these very strange questions that I ask. Yes. Uh, and also, if you do that on Twitter, you can post the hashtag. Uh, so I think that the hashtag has made itself fairly clear this time, unless you have a different one, which is perception is reality. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that's, that's a lot of characters, though. You could just put well, perception. Yeah, but I, I was going to make it survivor perception is reality, which is even yeah. more characters. Perception but, is reality. We'll stick with that. That's all good. Right. And of course, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall, which is YX lost. Uh, I also want to remind everyone before we finish about the poster we discussed earlier, which covers all of the rules we just went over. Uh, that's at tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster. And um, again, if you're outside the U.S., just DM Jessica. Yes, we'll make it happen. We'll get you your poster. It's a great purchase. It's only $20. Shipping outside of the United States is a little more expensive, but it's really not incredibly expensive. So order it. Love it. Put it in a frame, hang it up, and then you will know next time you are on Survivor, when you're actually out there, how you need to play the game. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Make sure that you're subscribed to all of the RHAP Survivor podcasts at robhasapodcast.com slash survivor or through your favorite podcatcher. We are also on the reality TV Rehap Ups feed. In both places, you can find great content like the know-it-alls, the wiggle room, the B&B, and much more. Uh, thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who does the editing on all the Why Blank Lost podcasts. Mm-hmm. Thanks, as always, to Will from America for the theme song. And thanks to you, Jessica, for a great episode, even though you did it under a lot of emotional duress. Yes, it was very emotional and I'm very sad. So thank you, David Bloomberg, for tolerating me throughout this episode. I, I told you there would be crying. I didn't cry, but there were a few outbursts. I'm very sad. But yes, so thank you uh, for another great episode as well. And to Will and Scott for the incredible work that they have done and continue to do with our podcast. And thank you to all the listeners who continue to listen to us and provide their feedback. We appreciate it so much. And we'll see you or hear from everybody or you'll hear from us next week, right? That's right. One week. We'll talk to you then. All right. Bye. Bye. Played yourself and got voted out. This is why Blank lost. And this is why Blank lost. Oh, baby, this is why Blank lost. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me, because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org. Or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.